SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of the early line here, giving you the edge on sports grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. We're looking at these conference championships. I think over the course of Friday and Saturday, we are going to see, you know, the best kind of weekend in college football. Quite frankly, conferences teams have been like, you know, uh, sacrificing, postponing and canceling matchups to preserve the crazy matchups we're going to get this weekend. We already know Kev likes the Irish to beat Clemson again. We'll see that should solidify them at least in the top two. They may go all the way to one if an upset happens in the SEC championship game. Kev, I know we've been down on Florida, though. Any chance you think they pull the upset? I know they may stay within the 17-and-a-half-point number, but any mm-hmm. chance you think of them completely crashing the party and knocking off undefeated Alabama? I legitimately think they have a chance to do just that. I think their offense with Kyle Pitts out there will be able to play at such a level. I don't believe a ton in the Bama defense this year. I think they can be had. Ultimately, though, it would it would be foolish, I think, of me to come on here and tell you that I've got Florida winning this game after what they did last week. Okay, fair enough. So we've got Bama definitely in. We've got Notre Dame definitely in. Clemson will have, in Kevin's opinion, lost, but we know they are still a threat to be in the top four regardless. So let's go to another conference, Kev. Let's talk about the Big Ten. The Big Ten has everybody's favorite team to gossip about, Ohio State, who come into this matchup. Five and O, <laughs> not ten and O, not eleven and O, not nine and O. Five and O, and they face a Northwestern team that has a defense. Kev, let me tell you something. Yeah. If Ohio State sleepwalks through this one, they may get punched in the mouth. I understand it's a twenty-point spread. They are facing another top fourteen team in Northwestern. Do you think the upset happens, which would completely open the door for chaos? Or does, you know, the committee, in essence, get what they want and have the excuse to put the Buckeyes in? Yeah, I think the Buckeyes will make it easy on them. I expect them to win this football game. And if I had to pick the spread, I probably would end up laying the 20 and a hook. I'd like to lay the first half. All right. So you think they would you think they could boat race them? Do you, do you think Ohio State yeah. feels like they need a uh, a statement here because they've heard the noise also right hey the only team they played that was decent was indiana and they only beat them by seven right do they mm. i know that, that if they win they will get into the top four i'm not trying to say that do you think they are hearing the noise do you think they are like oh yeah hold my beer watch this 51 to 7 victory that kind of thing it's like if you ever you ever been around like if you have if you have brothers and and you, you do something wrong in the house, and then all your brothers start telling you you're in trouble when mom gets home, and then mom's right, right, like, right. Ah, don't worry about it. Like, I feel like Ohio State might be hearing the noise, but then mom, the college football playoff committee, is like, our beloved little Buckeyes, you could do no wrong. So I don't know, because in my world, I'd need for them to impress. In the college football playoff right. world, I don't know, they might be able to lose and stay in. 
Yes, this is fair. Well, listen, them losing and staying in, I think, would matter if there's threats coming from these other conference champions. There's a reason we did the ACC, the SEC, and the Big Ten first as we welcome in our radio audience here getting on the grid. Big shout out to all the affiliates getting up early with us, Dane and Kevin, right? Because then that installs Bama, Notre Dame, let's say, and Ohio State likely as the three, right? Clemson. Would still be hanging around, right, with their only losses being to likely, let's say, number two Notre Dame and the cachet, right, of who they are, their reputation, their players, their coach, all that stuff. So then who wins the Big 12, Kev? Who wins the Big 12? Well, we got Iowa State, who has ascended despite losing to Louisiana Lafayette. We have the Oklahoma Sooners, who since they lost to Iowa State, have been running roughshod over people with Spencer Rattler and the crew. Who wins the Big 12, Kev? Yeah, I'm on Oklahoma. I'm excited by this team. I actually wish they had a shot uh, at maybe actually making the college football playoff. The problem is every single time people are like, oh, Bama would obliterate them. Whatever, fine. So can I like just give me Oklahoma, Texas A&M so I can back the Sooners in that game. To be fair, though, Matt Campbell's <laughs> been really, really good as a dog. I think it's a close game. I said I'm rolling with the Sooners, but I think this is one where reasonable people can absolutely disagree. It's below a uh, touchdown spread. That's fair. And remember, we could have, uh, you know, we might have the two-loss Clemson candidacy up against the two-loss candidacy of whoever wins this game for the number four spot. But remember, whoever wins this game would have the moniker of conference champion, right? And let me ask you this, Kev. Let's say Notre Dame goes out there and demolishes Clemson, right? Do you believe that the winner of this game is number four? or should have the case over a falling Clemson Tigers? I believe if Clemson loses by any margin, I would tell you that the Big 12 champion belongs in there. Now, what actually happens after Florida lost his 23-point home favorites to a below 500 team, I can no longer project. But to me, undoubtedly, Oklahoma or Iowa State would have win in this game would have a better resume than a Clemson Tigers team that loses to Notre Dame again. All right, fair enough. When we come back on the other side of the break, I want to touch base on the Pac-12, on the American, on the Sun Belt, which have teams that are vying for their conference championships and are undefeated coming in. We'll ask Kevin if he thinks that the zero on the loss column stays for those teams and if they've got a chance to hop over Clemson or the Big 12 champion when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, Kev, I think we set the stage a little bit here, right? Um, you got the three big boys. Then in the Big 12 championship game, we're going to have Oklahoma. We're going to have Ohio, uh, Iowa State. And, you know, if Clemson loses that game, we'll see how they stack up in the race for number four. 
But then we've got undefeated teams trying to win their conference, Kev. And I submit to you first, in the Pac-12, our guy Joe Lisi loves himself some USC Trojans. So let me ask you, Kev. USC will host Oregon. It's Oregon, not Washington. We know that. USC is 5-0. and They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. Two-part question, Kev. One, will they remain undefeated, right, by getting through the Ducks? And two, will that be enough at all to get into the fray with Clemson and the Big 12 champion? So the thing about USC is I don't really think they've been jobbed as much as others do. Yeah, they're 5-0. and Pac-12 is not that good, and USC's not looked that good in a lot of these games. And I don't know. The problem is they're playing an Oregon team that's lost two in a row. It'd be nice if they were playing the right. other-ranked Pac-12 team in Colorado. The Pac-12's a mess, and they can't seem to get this thing correct. I don't love either of these teams, really. I'll just take the dog, and I'll just take Oregon okay. to win this thing. You know, okay. last year Fair Oregon enough. played Utah in this game, and everyone was like, ah, they have nothing to play for. It's Utah to get it in. It mattered, right? And Oregon yeah. rolled them, so I'll take Oregon to win the Pac-12 title. All right, fine. And, you you know, it sounds like you do not have a lot of stock in the Pac-12 champion, even if it wasn't undefeated USC for raising up to the heights that we need. Here's where it gets interesting, Kev, because we got our two schools here. Let's go next to the American Conference, where the Cincinnati Bearcats also have a zero in the loss column, right? We'll be facing a top 25 opponent. In their conference championship game, unlike USC, right, as Cincinnati faces Tulsa, they have more victories to get to their undefeated, right? We talk about avoiding the landmines. They took on the risk and got through it. Talk to me about the Cincinnati Bearcats now, which have Tulsa. A, do they win the game? Do they keep their undefeated season alive? And secondly, if they do so, how far will they go up? Will they even have a chance to hop an SEC team then? Or will then, like, somehow Missouri hop over them? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the Mizzou Tigers maybe in an idle week <laughs> again in front of Cincinnati. Can't rule that out. Here's the deal with Cincinnati. They have not played since November 21st. This game is going to yeah. be played on December 19th. That makes it really, really difficult to be to have any kind of certainty, Dane, as to what's actually going to happen here. Now, Tulsa hasn't played in two weeks either since they played in the fifth against Navy. Right. But all things considered, Cincinnati should obliterate this team, and I think it'd be a ton of fun for Cincinnati to win this game the same fashion that they've beaten every other team except for UCF that they were supposed to beat and maybe be on upset alert on and go out there and win this game by four touchdowns, finish the ranking yeah, seventh, right? And then <laughs> we look at it and go, glad they never had a chance. Because this is the thing about – I just want to make this very, very clear. Yeah. Cincinnati has no chance – no matter how many chaos theories you come up with, they cannot, will not stay in front of a Big 12 champion. No shot it happens. Cincinnati cannot make the Final Four no matter what. Right, and we're already talking about that four being a battle of the Big 12 champion and maybe a falling Clemson, right? The only thing I can think of is if another spot opens up, if Northwestern beats Ohio State, then maybe does another spot open up, but then maybe you just put the Big 12 champion and even a losing Clemson over an undefeated Cincinnati because no one loves the little guy. Let's talk about that conference championship, though, that 
you want to talk about, Kevin. It's the Sun Belt. In the Sun Belt, we've got Coastal Carolina and then Louisiana Lafayette, right? And this, I think there's a lot of interesting details here, right? So I'll ask you first the same question I asked you about Cincinnati in regards to Coastal. Coastal has 11 wins, zero losses. Kevin, two-part question. Does Coastal keep their undefeated season alive? And if they do, what is the ceiling for the Chanticleers? So I do believe they can keep it alive. I think this Coastal team has been really, really good. They have already beaten Louisiana on the year, which is going to make it difficult to get the job done that second go-around. And I think it's going to be a good game. And Coastal winning by even a, a small margin, they're playing a top 20 team in the country. Which, you know, it cannot be said mm-hmm. for every single team uh, that we've talked about here. So, I think Coastal with a win. Now, Louisiana would fall a little bit. Would they move them out of the right. top 25? Yeah, probably. Maybe. So, yeah, right? I mean, they would. <laughs> Louisiana and Tulsa getting out of right. the top 25 is exactly how this thing is supposed to end. How high can Coastal get? The loser of the Big 12 title game. Um, Can be hot. That about it? Is that about it? Mm. I mean, realistically, right? I don't know. I guess the question is, like, does the moniker conference champion and them getting all the way through the gauntlet, right, taking on the risk and going through it, does that get them ahead of a Georgia that's idle or a losing Florida in the SEC championship game? But we're splitting hairs. You know what? I can't wait yeah. to see. Regardless, because I think you're right. Since he won't get there, Coastal won't get there, right? Other teams that we've been talking about won't get there. I want to see their bowl matchups. I can't wait. Like, please have Cincinnati play Texas A&M. You know what I mean? Like, please have Coastal play Georgia. You know, that sort of thing. Oh, boy, then you and I are really going to be excited. Can I bring you a different one real quick, though, here, Kev? If Louisiana Lafayette wins this game, right? Mm -hmm. And Iowa State wins the Big 12 championship. We've already said in that scenario, you think Iowa State is probably the likely number four team, right? And if Louisiana Lafayette wins this game, is the conference champion, they would probably rise to, I don't know, maybe top 10, right? Let's say Louisiana Lafayette, right? But then with wins over number four in the playoff, Iowa State, this revelation of Coastal Carolina, they would have two top 10 wins potentially, Kev. That is crazy. Can you imagine that if Lafayette gets through, right, and is behind a team they beat? Like there's a universe. I don't know how high Lafayette would get. You know, with all these losses, because a lot of these teams that's in the top 15 are going to lose this weekend, right? So could you imagine a universe where Louisiana Lafayette gets up to, like, nine, but Iowa State is there at four? Wouldn't that be just, like, the sum total of what we're talking about? They could be like, we beat those guys, yet they're playing for the championship. No, it's incredible. It would be a massive boost to Iowa State's resume. Right, and what it, <laughs> that's what it would right. be. It'd be like, wow, they lost right. to this really, really good uh, one loss. Yeah. Uh, Louisiana would then be getting right. their their loss back against Coastal. Yeah, it would it would just be good for them. I just want to piggyback on something you said about yeah. you know Coastal or Cincy playing A and M. There's a lot of people who will tell you, yeah, you want Coastal in Alabama would kill them. They win by 35 points. Hey, that doesn't matter. That's right. Alabama is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite over Florida. You're having the wrong conversation. It's, do you think that Coastal could beat A&M? Do you think that Cincinnati could beat Iowa State? I do. 
I absolutely do. And that's what we're talking about. We're not talking because at the end of the day, yep. whoever plays Bama, my fighting Irish are favored to be playing Bama round one. They will be double digit dogs, probably gotcha. above two touchdowns. Okay? So it, it, you are not getting it. This is not a gotcha when you say Bama would kill Coastal. And the expectation right. is Bama's going to kill everybody. That's not like that's not how this works. It's can Coastal beat Iowa State? I know that they can because they beat Louisiana, who beat Iowa right. State. I know that they can beat Iowa State. So I would pick Cincinnati outright over AM. I've been wildly unimpressed by AM, and I've been impressed by Cincinnati. So when the dust settles here, and that's the thing about rooting for chaos, we I already have what I need. I already could step up to the to the conference committee and tell them, listen, here's all the things that you've gotten yep. wrong. Eight's the way to go. So whoever the and best that, four is, I, I mean, I'm ready for it. But it, I just hope people will have the correct conversations. Moving. And that case is going to get augmented potentially. Remember when UCF beat Auburn in that bowl game, right? So if Cincy goes out and beats USC in a bowl game, right, or Indiana, or Coastal gets a W against AM, it'll only augment the cases. Come on back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the Early Line. Big shout-out to all of our affiliates around the country, around the globe, whether it's radio, video, so many ways to get down and get the information you need right here on SportsGrid. Thanks for getting up early with us, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh, burning the candles and spitting stats at you so you can get the information you need. You know, Kev, what's interesting, we talk about, oh, my goodness, the NBA season, you know, is on the horizon. There's also moving and shaking going on in Major League Baseball, Kev. You know, the winter meetings were handled virtually these days and that's when you start hearing about big name signings big time trades that happen so i do want to catch people up on a couple of things that have taken place the mets their new ownership and all their money to spend have spent a little and they have signed one of the top catchers in the market, uh, James McCann, from the Chicago, formerly of the Chicago White Sox. He signs with the Mets a four-year, $40 million deal. It looks like the Mets are going to try to use some of this new money and revamp their team. McCann's a good place to start. He's not Real Muto, the number one catcher in the market, but he is a good young player. Yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, it's holiday season, right? A lot of people yeah. are asking for oh, you want the, the PlayStation gifts. 5. You know, maybe you're all right getting the Xbox because you're loyal to the Microsoft game. If parents come home with a Nintendo Wii, you're grateful. But that's not what was promised. I mean, that's just not what was on the list. And at the end of the day, all I hear is that the Mets are here to play with the big boys. Right? That's right. New 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 big one on the block. New York Mets. James McCann. That's fair. Fine. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Because here's the thing. Mets fans want the expectations, right? Yes. They want all they want all the hype. That's right. Right? That's what That's they right. want. Okay. Yep. Time to deliver. 
They, got, they want the back page, right, of some of the papers here. You're absolutely right. Nope. Maybe, you know, James McCann is a little stocking stuffer for the Mets. Mm. But the Mets have a new GM, by the way. His name is Jared Porter. He's going to be doing the shopping for the Mets, trying to put this team together. And he's got a nice budget to do so. So big shout-out to Jared Porter for landing the job. We'll see, in fact, what he does. But to that point, Kev, right, we know what the big fish still are here in the free agency mm. market, right, everybody. And the Mets are involved with a lot of them right uh yeah. trevor bauer is the biggest pitcher on the market he would be a nice one-two combo with any rotation especially a guy like jacob Degrom in new york we hear a lot about george springer as a name that's going to be highly touted right and coveted in the market jt Realmuto and others but another name that's out there is dj lemayhu of the Yankees, and I ironically, you talk about the Mets wanting to compete. One of the ways they can use that old Robbie Cano money that they don't have to pay to Cano would be to maybe make a splash, hurt their crosstown rival Yankees in signing DJ LeMay, who's someone I know you believe was very key to the Yankees over the last couple of years. You thought should even earn MVP votes. And let me tell you something else, Kev. You know who else thinks that DJ LeMay is a true MVP? His manager, Aaron Boone, who is not shy about saying how great DJ LeMahieu is and that he is the priority for the Yankees in this offseason. There's not much more to say about DJ other than, you know, I think if we look over 2019 through 2020 and did a two-year MVP in the American League, it's probably him. So his play, you know, completely speaks for itself, you know, and then you couple the fact that, you know, he's, he's this really great teammate that's been, you know, despite his quiet reputation, um, a tremendous leader for us and, and an influential just person by the way he goes about things. So, you know, I, I think it's no secret that he is, um, you know, probably our number one priority um, to bring back this winter. And I, I know yeah, absolutely. There you have it. So he is the number one priority for the Yankees, I think rightfully so, but I think he's going to be a priority for a lot of teams. Kev, ultimately, when the dust settles, do you think the Mets make another big splash, go beyond the stocking stuffers, whether it's Bauer, LeMahieu, Springer, a trade for Lindor, or any of the other huge names that seem to be out there as we go through the hot stove season in Major League Baseball? I do expect to acquire a big they have the funds. I think Cohen desperately wants to deliver on a promise immediately. So I expect them to make something happen. Will it be DJ LeMahieu? We'll find out. I ultimately do think he remains with the Yankees. I am very ready to taunt Met fans if he ends up a Met and let them know that you know how this works out. DJ will no longer be good if he dons the blue and orange. I will tell you this right now. And you can tell by this conversation we're having, I intend on being ruthless to the New York Mets this year. Ruthless. All right, fair enough. We'll see if they can, they can kind of answer you back if they do kind of augment the roster and spend a little bit of extra money. There is a path, I believe, for them to be 
really, really good. But it starts with that rotation. We know they have DeGrom, right? We know they have guys like, you know, Strowman and Syndergaard potentially coming back. The key is will new GM Jared Porter spend the money to get a guy like Trevor Bauer? There's some other arms out there that I'm intrigued by, you know, uh, maybe guys for the Yankees to boost out that roster, right? A guy like, a, uh, you know, a Chris Archer type. You know, they're talking to the Pirates about guys like Jamison Tyone or Musgrove. But we shall see. Teams will be going shopping. But, Kev, you know, the NBA season starts in, like, five days. Pitchers and catchers are scheduled to report for baseball in, like, two months also. Remember, the baseball season ran longer than we thought. Our, our, our biorhythms for all these sports are clearly off because of COVID. And that brings me to the last thing I want to mention right now for Major League Baseball. Pitchers and catchers are set to, like, get back to work. Spring training is set to, like, start again in two months. As you know, Kev, we're going to be in this long, dark winter as per the part pandemic, the pandemic that shut down baseball this year. Um, there's conversation now in the same way that in college basketball, they're like, eh, maybe not May, March Madness. Maybe we should put it back to May Madness. Your boy Rick Pitino saying that. In baseball, there's talk of maybe we push back the start of the season and the reason why is because if we push it back a little bit, there's an opportunity for all of the players and personnel to be vaccinated by then and for it to be a much safer proposition. Remember, a lot of people believe that once we get into the spring, Kev, you know, the, the vaccine will be widely available. And if these players have it, maybe there's less of a need for bubble or policies or restrictions or hall monitors like we saw in Major League Baseball this season. What do you think about that? I think it's interesting. I don't know that it's going to happen, but this idea that now we're at the horizon where Maybe we could just wait and all get vaccinated and call this a wrap. Kind of amazing on one side. And on the other side, eh, I don't know if it's actually going to happen. It's going to be interesting to see if it does. And I don't think this will just expand the baseball. This idea of just give us give us a little bit Hold of time. Hold out for the vaccinations. Like, let's get this done. And let's just have a clean slate here. You know, even think about the NCAA tournament. If we're yeah. And it's hard to know what the timeline is. But if we're on the cusp and you think that you can get the vaccinations through and go back to a normal NCAA tournament a year after missing out on the whole tournament and all the revenue that comes with it, I think you'll wait those two weeks if that's what the timeline is. I mean, that's not in the timeline. Baseball's going to operate on a little bit of a different timeline, have a little bit more breathing room. But if you're baseball and you're like, yeah, we can't get going until May, so, so what? So what? Just have a normal season. Like, what, yeah. could you imagine rushing and missing the opportunity to sell out opening day? It's a ridiculous. Imagine the move. pomp and circumstance of opening day with, you know, with with thirty thousand people, with forty thousand people coming together, feeling like they can high five a walk off homer. I It'd mean, be this emotional. Is what what we have been waiting for as a country for years. Yes. I'm talking about sports coming back. Can you imagine the power of something like that happening as we open up our nation's pastime uh, once we've gotten through what many people believe will be a long, dark, cold winter? But the light is there at the end of the tunnel. It's going to be interesting to see when we are so close, how some of these leagues, how some of these unions, right, decide to continue to take on the risk when we're right on the cusp. I think you're right, Kev. I do want to turn our attention to the NFL. We got to get going with week 
15 gets going tonight. We'll talk about that. But, you know, we've been talking a lot of moves and GMs and stuff like that. I was intrigued to see yesterday that ESPN talent, uh, Lewis Riddick, looks like he is going to be in the running for a number of GM interviews, whether that's in Detroit, whether that's in Houston. I heard even Jacksonville is intrigued by him. He does have front office experience. He is the front office, quote unquote, expert. Um, what do you think about that, Lewis Riddick? Because here's the other thing. He's also getting ESPN to be able to hop him up, right, as like this amazing mind and kind of helping his candidacy on the whole, right? And so I think he's going to wind up getting a job. It doesn't hurt that he's a man of color either. Well, this is the thing with Lewis Riddick is I think there's a world where he is the key to Eric Bieniemy, And that is not just because they are both men of color. Although it probably would help and make Eric Bieniemy feel a little bit more comfortable considering the way people feel like coaches of color have been treated in this league. But moreover, Lewis Riddick is someone who has been one of the most vocal supporters of Eric Bieniemy. Each coaching cycle that That's has true. passed him by. I mean, you can go through Riddick, whether it be his Twitter, whether that be on you know the, the platform that is ESPN. He has been very vocal about that. You know, one I give Lewis Riddick a ton of credit. The year they transitioned to Mahomes, the year one of Mahomes, he was yeah. someone who was a driving force between. Hey, listen, this is going to be incredible. Trust me. He yep. knows that organization. He knows Eric Bieniemy. And people have been interested in Lewis Riddick as a GM candidate for a while. And if he looks like he could give you the inside edge on what many believe will be the most sought-after head coaching candidate, it only you know, would be better for his potential to land whatever job he would want. No, that's interesting. I'd imagine it'd be part of the interview process in a similar way that like Cliff Kingsbury was interviewing for Arizona. Is like, yeah, 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 and I would take Kyler Murray. Right? Riddick would be like, yeah, and then I'll go out and hire Eric Bieniemy as a package deal. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line. Thanks for getting up on the grid with Dane and Kevin, the spitting statistician and the candle burner. As you can see, we at Sports Grid wish everybody a happy holidays. And you're gonna be seeing that from us in Sports Grid. We will, you know, take you through the holidays. We will be on air from noon until midnight on Christmas Day, following all the action in-game live into the new year. It is bowl season. Kev, I believe today and moving forward, there is football every day for the next like 30 days when you consider NFL playoffs, college football, bowl games, and all the action that will be there even on Christmas Day as we have a Christmas Day, a Christmas night game in the NFL. But let's turn our attention to the NFL in week 15. I want to start with the injuries. We had practice reports yesterday for the first time in the week. Obviously, you know we look to the trend. Do they get better or worse? The new injury that pops up on a Thursday or Friday is really the consideration. I do want to say some key players have been added to the COVID list. Uh, Hollywood Brown for the Ravens. We just thought they were done with it. No, they are not. Ronald Jones, we know, had a procedure to have pins put in his finger. He's now also going to be on the COVID list. The Dolphins have ruled out Mike Gesicki already. They need him to support Tua, but I'm intrigued by these guys who did not practice yet. Guys like Julio Jones, Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, and then the two quarterbacks, Alex Smith and Matthew Stafford. Are you... uh, 
Are you confident that guys like Alex Smith are going to make the you know, make it to week 15? Who are some of the names on this list that you are looking for with the impact that they have on their squads? Yeah, so, so the name actually is I want to pull it back to Rojo and okay. try and figure out are we dealing at all with a mini outbreak here in Tampa Bay? Because the oh, the special teams up, room. The, the special teams room, right? So that feels like, okay, it's an isolated group that ends up on the COVID list. Well, now Ronald Jones ends up testing positive. Was that from being around those guys? Is that a separate situation? Maybe when he was going to get the pins put in his hand, he's at the doctor's office. But has he possibly impacted at all? We've not heard word. Although Sean McCoy, Leonard Fournette, anybody else on this offense. I just, for that news to come out yesterday about the Buck special teams room and then to be followed up with the Rojo news, Tampa, that game to me, and, and you know I like to wait regardless, I think you ought to be very cautious here where it could be, you know, today, Friday, Saturday, we get more and more Bucks names that could very well end up on this list. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I look at the quarterbacks, though, Kev. Obviously, the special teams, I, I, I tell you the importance of the long snapper, right? We'll see what happens there in Tampa. But the quarterbacks are intriguing to me. It does not look like Drew Brees is going to be back just yet, although they're kind of like opening up the window for him to return. They have said time and time again that they're not going to rush him back. I think the rush will continue if Taysom Hill doesn't look good this weekend against the Chiefs. But I digress. We have Alex Smith, uh, who did not practice. Matthew Stafford who did not practice. I want to ask you, though, about Daniel Jones, who yeah. did get in a limited practice. They've mentioned that he added to his injuries. Now it's an ankle and the hammy. To be quite honest, Kev, I think they brought him back too soon last week. Even Dr. Chow said that when they brought him back originally, he wouldn't necessarily be able to be 100% do some of the running that Daniel Jones we have seen over the last couple of years. Talk to me about Daniel Jones here, Kev, because the Giants are in a place where they're still competitive for that division race. They saw what happened when they brought Danny Dimes back a little bit early. He was not effective, and now they have Colt McCoy there waiting on the horizon. What do you think the Giants do this week against a Cleveland team who also has a lot to play for? Yeah, I think you're looking at a spot here where him coming back too soon probably wasn't ideal. I mean, him getting sacked six times likely didn't help the situation. Daniel Jones finished that game without a single rush, which for I think probably speaks volumes to him not being 100% in that right. football game. It, him not being there is big for a number of reasons. Listen, I don't see any world where that team is pulling the upset over Cleveland where Colt McCoy goes 2-0 and over right. Cleveland and Seattle. I mean, I just think that is ridiculous to even suggest. And it's a huge boost for Cleveland. You're going to be coming off of a loss. You're going to be pretty down about losing to Baltimore, yeah. but it's a short turnaround off of that Monday nighter. You know, be careful if do they if they look past Colt McCoy if the number's super inflated could the Giants cover uh, as dogs? Yes, they've certainly covered in that spot a number of times. And the other spot I know it stands out is just because it's something you and I have talked about here on the show. The Browns' defense was a really really popular yes, ad for the fantasy playoffs because of their Giants Jets back to back. Yeah, you know with the, how Cleveland played on Monday with the Giants being a team. A couple of weeks ago, they started to be viewed in a higher light. You maybe were thinking right. to yourself, ah, maybe I pivot elsewhere. Colt McCoy's under center. I, I think people will start the Browns with confidence. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, Kev. I think you make an excellent point. That is where I was going to go. I had extolled the virtues of the matchups for the Cleveland Brown defense in this and next week. You remember, they get New York, New York, Giants this week, Mm -hmm. Jets next week. To your point, if you went out ahead and proactively made that move, maybe what you were seeing from the Giants would give you cause for pause. But I would be very fine with it if it does happen to be Colt McCoy under center for the G-Men this week, Danny dimes did get in a limited practice we'll see how it goes or will the giants kind of lose the battle to win the war week 15 does get started though tonight kev so let's talk about that we've got the vegas raiders who are fighting for their playoff lives taking on the los angeles chargers in this one the raiders are three point favorites 53 and a half is the total i do have to make the note we were talking about injuries just before though kev and Both of these teams come in a little bit banged up. We know Henry Ruggs will not play. He is on the COVID list. Not enough time for him to test negative and get off of that list. You mentioned Josh Jacobs, who, while he did play last week, did obviously not look 100%. So we'll see the way that he looks. And then on the other side, Kev, the Chargers are banged up as well. Key players, Kev. Keenan Allen questionable big mike williams questionable austin eckler questionable for the chargers on this one they say big mike is probably the only like true game time decision we should see eckler we should see allen those two combined for 18 receptions from justin herbert in last week's game nine apiece i gotta think that's where their bread will continue to be buttered again tonight against the raiders i gotta tell you something kev Hmm. i know what the records are I think the Chargers are a better team right now. I just do. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the Raiders have not been playing well. Think about it. They have lost three of their last four games. They get embarrassed yeah. by the Falcons. They get boat raced by the Colts. They should have lost to the darn winless Jets. Meanwhile, the Chargers keep on chugging along. They got a win against the Falcons, and they've had a lot of tough losses. I'd be willing, I think, in a division matchup to take a full field goal, but that's just me. You know that I have love for the Chargers and their roster. I just think I think it's unraveling for the Raiders, Kev. What do you think? I think it's a tough game to break down, so I'm going to buy myself some time and give a little breaking news to the show. It's been Ooh. a while since Uh-oh. we've had some, some we got? COVID breaking news. But oh, Jason boy. Garrett, the Giants offensive coordinator, has tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, and okay. Tom Pelissero, who's reporting this news, goes on to say that he will continue to work remotely. And tight ends coach Freddie Kitchens We'll be calling the plays Sunday oh against boy. the Browns. <laughs> Cleveland so defense against is... Cleveland. Wait, against Cleveland. Yep. Freddie yep. Kitchens will be calling the plays against the Cleveland Browns yep. defense, huh? Yep. What did we just say, Kev? We're okay starting the Cleveland Browns defense? Yeah, I mean, that's just unbelievable, though, from a narrative perspective. Yeah, 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 and yeah, also yeah, yeah. just the idea that a team is without their offensive coordinator. I'll be honest with you, Dane. That is not something I've, I've ever thought about. When we talk about, oh, a positive and... The offensive coordinator, the play caller being absent, is just for some reason it not crossed my mind at the NFL. We had level. that in college. We've had that in yeah. college a little bit. Saban, Ryan Day, of down. course. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's really interesting, and and 
You're, I mean, wasn't you're gonna there see an now, NFL coach who like ev- applied or wanted to be able to still do their role, but in isolation, like calling oh, the plays? That sure. might have been a college story. That might have been a college yeah. story. I think there Sounds was a like coordinator a who had it and like appealed to be able to still, you know, call the plays yeah. remotely and yeah. do that, and was actually denied that ability. I do think it maybe was a college scene, but you're right. But then again, what is the impact necessarily if play calling goes over somewhere else? Maybe they've installed a lot of it already. You know, we're at Thursday of the week. The game plan has been installed. They've done their walkthroughs. They've had practices already. You're right, though. I wonder what the impact is. And the narrative is there, clearly, with the idea of now uh, Freddie Kitchens calling plays against his team. So we'll talk about that. We'll preview Mm -hmm. that again more tomorrow when we look at all of the games for Week 15. But we do still have tonight's game. Kev, have you bought yourself enough time to have a take on this one? Man, I don't know. I'd love to keep talking Freddie Kitchens here. At the end of the day, I think it's really difficult because Vegas has now lost three of four. Last week was the kind of game, honestly, even if they were competitive, it might have been all forgiven, understand what happened in the other spots. But instead, they they ended up getting blown out when it was all said and done. In comes the Chargers, who are off of a win. Four and nine. Two in a row for the Chargers? I mean, at the end of the day, game. Matt Ryan throws yes. a pick with 30 seconds left and gives right. the Chargers the game back. Matt Ryan threw three interceptions in that football game, and the Chargers were able to turn that into only a three-point victory. The Chargers' offense, for whatever reason, has not been able to put up the numbers that we were accustomed to over the last three. 17 points scored, zero points scored, 20 points scored. I mean, that's just not what we were expecting from Justin Herbert. And if you go back as far as five games – Against the Jets, they put up a zillion. That doesn't even count. And against Miami, they were only held to 21. Like, the Chargers' offense has not been packing the punch that we've been used to. Well, here comes Vegas missing a bunch of defensive talent due to COVID. Like, of all the teams that have dealt with COVID, like, the Titans had the crazy outbreak. The Baltimore situation flipped the NFL schedule, it felt like, on its head. But Vegas, through their fines and warnings and just – I mean, yeah. this has been all season long. I mean, Vegas has maybe the entire been defense, the, the entire COVID offensive team. line. Yeah, like absolutely. they've maybe been the COVID team. So in comes Vegas looking for a 2-0 sweep over the Chargers. I'm basically given what I believe is a zillion reasons to not want either team. But I'm supposed to take a team here in this game. So I, yeah. I really, really I don't think I love either side here. I have a slight lean to Vegas to correct this ship and for the Chargers to not get two wins in a row because, I mean, it's the Chargers, right? Like, like, as much as they are talented, this is, I mean, it's been the same situation all year long. Vegas is weirdly two and four at home on this season, but the Chargers enter one and five on the road. I, I, again, I really, really struggle with picking a side in this game. For me, what I care more about is the total. As someone who's contemplating starting Derek Carr in a semifinal matchup, Mm. as someone who is leaning on Josh Jacobs, but not positive on Jacobs' availability. I believe you mentioned it, both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams labeled this morning as true game-time decisions. Like, Like, this isn't just your questionable, but I know you're going to be out there. Even if they play, 
we're not sure what we're going to be getting from these guys. To where yeah. this number is 53.5. The last time they played, we had 61 points scored. If, if all these guys are banged up here, Dane, I think this is one of the most difficult Thursday nighters we have had all season long. Fair enough. I lean towards the Chargers side. I just think the Raiders are unraveling, and I think that's the leading yeah. piece of this. I don't know that I trust them or Gruden to kind of fix or right the ship, and I'll take three points on the other side. You talk about a lot of people being out on the on the Vegas side. No rugs. We don't know about Jacobs. One guy that fantasy managers can hang their hat on is Darren Waller, okay? And his prop mm. bets right now are six and a half receptions or 63 and a half yards. I like the over on the yards. We'll wrap up after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Everybody right here third football as we kick off week 15 chargers and raiders i kind of like the points uh looks like kev hesitantly is leaning towards the raiders side i like yeah. a little darren waller action especially if there is no rugs especially if we don't know exactly if jacobs is 100 percent. i do think that will be the security blanket for Derek carr you're intrigued by some of the guys on the charger side the returning austin eckler as a kind of do-it-all play right yeah, I think Austin, I mean, Austin Eckler is just ridiculous. And if Keenan Allen is going to miss this game, it's going to be impossible not to want to play this guy. Since it's he's come my back. my semifinals lineups. I mean, listen, if Austin Eckler, since he's come back, 11 catches, 4 catches, 9 catches. And he last week ran for 79 yards on 15 carries, going up against the Raiders defense that has Jonathan Taylor all the way back. So I think Eckler's rushing plus receiving at 102.5 feels light. I think playing the rushing on its own, the receiving on its own makes sense. I think the over receptions of 5.5 makes sense. I don't think you can throw an Eckler prop at me where I'm like, ah, feels a little, feels like too much. I think also, especially if Keenan Allen, Dane, if I told you Keenan Allen doesn't play in this game, what's the over-under number on receptions for Austin Eckler? Eight and a half? If there is no Keenan Allen? Yeah. I was going to say seven and a half, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Something like I mean that, but yeah. again, and again, he will he's be crossed, peppered. He will be peppered, And he's, yes. crossed, he's crossed that number, seven and a half, eight or eight and a half, two out of the three games with Keenan out there. Yeah. In that scenario, I would also look to guys like Hunter Henry. Uh, you know, we'll see about Big Mike Williams as well. So we'll see that. Um, I got to tell you, we'll be watching the game because obviously Week 15 football Friday will be tomorrow. But also the Miami Dolphins, the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens will all have a ton of intrigue to see what the Las Vegas Raiders do going into Week 15. I guess the Patriots will be watching the game also, but you know. That's just because Bill Belichick consumes all sorts of football. I don't know if getting on the playoff graphic will be there. It'll be a football Friday tomorrow, but keep it locked right here on SportsGrid as we wish you happy holidays and give you everything you need to be profitable. The morning after is up next. Shout out to Jared and Ariel. They'll hold you down for now. We'll see you tomorrow. Another edition of the Early Line in the books. Have a great day.